Um, the scripture this morning is 1 John 3, verses 11 to 18. I'll be reading from the ESV. For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. We should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. Do not be surprised, brothers, that this world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. Thanks, dear. Good morning, church. It's good to be with you. Hey, I have one point for you today. Spring is coming. Don't lose heart. It will come. Let's pray. It's time to go home. No, I'm just kidding. We are so glad to be together, even when it's raining and nasty outside. We got a little teased, didn't we? Um, my name is Daniel. I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, it's such a joy to get to preach. And we have some exciting stuff today. We have a baptism today. So excited about that. We are, uh, we're going to eat together. We're going to feast together after the service. So I hope you will all join us, even if you don't have food. Come and hang out. We're going to do the Lord's Supper during that. And I forgot to tell the hospitality team to, that we're going to do that down there. So they brought it up here. So don't get faked out by that like you did by the spring, I, you know, the weather. Uh, so anyway. All right, let me move into this. In my early uh, 20s, late teens, I had an interesting relationship with the church. I'd grown, up with the, I'd grown up in the church. My dad was a pastor. And yet, I can tell you that I honestly didn't care too much for the church. It felt pretty stale. felt like the people were out of touch. Uh, a lot of the, the people that my parents served were, were elderly. I was like, what, is, what does the elderly have to do with the young, right? And that was so silly and arrogant. I'm so sorry, D, and all of the Lebanon folks and everyone here. I was so arrogant. But that was, that was what I felt. And uh, what that meant is that I didn't care to belong to a church, really. I didn't care to, to go and be a part of any of it unless it served my needs, what I thought was good for me, right? And yet I had this amazing transformation in my early 20s when I came into a fuller understanding of the gospel. And I can't tell you whether it was, uh, it was my, my rebirth, my, my being born again, or if God just revived my heart in some way. But I can tell you this, that my view of the church tra- changed radically. It's, it's kind of like, you know, for, for a new Christian, all of a sudden the word of God becomes to you like your... your food, right? Like, I I don't really care if I eat right now. I'd rather spend the time there. Sin, you know, it becomes more intolerable to us as we we come into our our faith. And the church, friends, the church for me, what was something that was pretty irrelevant to me, became invaluable, precious, 
it set me on a trajectory to where I am now, getting to serve you. And I love getting to serve you. I'm so grateful. It's not all peaches, I can assure you that, but I do love serving the church. And I'm so glad to be here right now. And I want to ask you this morning, is that how you feel about the church? And I'm not, I, again, I'm not saying that it's, it's some, some view of the church that's, that's like, oh man, they're just the best, and you just have to be kind of fake about, about it. I'm talking about something different than that. I'm sorry, talking about something deeper. Has your heart changed towards the people of God, the people for whom Christ died, the people to whom you, you share a, a name with? The people to whom you've been joined to one body in Christ Jesus. The, the ones that are your brothers and sisters. You, you have the same Father. Has your heart been changed towards the church? Do you love the church? Or do you struggle to feel this way about the church? Are you still rather indifferent? Does belonging to a church seem like something maybe I'll do one day if it makes sense for me? Perhaps you're here today and it's, it's, you've got somebody in mind that, you know, if only that person weren't here, if only those people weren't here, then I think the church would be all right. What is your view? What is your feeling towards Christians, towards the church today? Do you love the church? The Apostle John, in our book that we're, we've been walking through together, in 1 John, He's been sharing with us evidences of our faith, evidences that we're true children of God. And this is the title of our, our series together, How God's Children Live. John is, is over and over again presenting evidences to us about who, true, who the true children of God are and who those who are not true children are as well, what their, their lives look like. And in, in, in the sermon last week, we, we heard two more evidences, and Ross focused on one on Easter, and that was that true children of God will be known for practicing righteousness. They will be known for killing their sin, not perfectly, but increasingly so. They will hate their sin and follow in Jesus' footsteps in how he lived. But he ended, the verse, verse 10 ends, if you look back just one verse in your Bibles, I'd love for you to be following along with me. It ends with this. It says, by this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. Can you guys say that again? Nor is the one who does not, read it, love his brother. That's really interesting to me. That is not admittedly something that, if you were to ask me what, what a Christian is, who a Christian is, I, I don't typically say, oh my goodness, have you seen how they love other people? Have you seen that? Usually what happens in my mind is I think, okay, what was, what was the life that they used to live with regards to, say, alcohol or food or some other sin? It was a matter of what they used to do and what they stopped doing, right? I think that way. I don't often think about love for the family of God. Why, why is that? Why is that? Why is love for the family something that I don't think of? Why is it so important to John. Why is, is love for the brother so front and center for him that he's going to repeat it over and over and over again in this book as one of the core evidences that we're children of God? 
I think we forget that God's commands are not just about what we shouldn't do, right? God's commands are also about what we ought to do, right? We don't follow Jesus because of how great he was at saying no to things, right? We follow Jesus because of what he did, right? We follow Jesus because of who he is, the way that he lived. We need to know that sin can be both sin of commission, that is, doing what you shouldn't be doing, and it's also sin of omission, not doing the things that you know you should be doing. And I think this topic, love for brother, love for the family of God, falls in that category of a sin of omission. It's, it's something that we can often neglect. And yet it is just important to John as killing sin. Loving your brother is just as important to John as killing sin. And if that's true, we need to find out who are the brothers and how do we love them. We need to know how to do that if we want to know who we are. The, tr- the, the main point today, it's not about spring, uh, is that true children of God love the family of God like Jesus loved us. True children of God love the family of God like Jesus loved us. So let's dive into our text. Look with me. If you would, in your Bibles, if you don't have one, there's one right in front of you. Verse 11, For this is the message you've heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. That we should love one another. Now, I'm just going to say quickly here, if you got caught up with that idea when he says, love the brothers, like, wait, sisters are like, where... What about me? We're, love for the brothers? Well, I hope you can find comfort. He says here, he broadens it, love for one another. Love for one another. And John's going to do that. He's going to use phrase, uh, titles like children to speak of all Christians. And I think that brethren or brothers is, is more all-encompassing than it would seem. I'm not exactly sure why it's brothers there, but I, I do want you to see that he has in mind brothers and sisters. I also want you to know that when he says love one another, he's not just talking about people broadly. All the world you should love. That is affirmed in scripture, absolutely. But right here, John is talking about love for your fellow Christian. Love for the family of God, your brothers and sisters. And here he says, this is what you heard from the very beginning. From the start, when you heard the gospel, this truth was in it. This foundational truth that you ought to love one another. This society-transforming idea, the attitude that, that loves enemy, that forgives when a brother sins again and again and again. It's one that moves. It's an attitude that moves towards others. Remember that the gospel doesn't just transform our relationship with God, but it redeems our relationship that was broken with our brothers and sisters. Amen? It's not just a vertical redemption that God has in mind for us when the gospel, but also horizontal. He wants us to love our brothers. There's love for God and love for neighbor as the chief commands that he has given us. This is foundational, John says. It's part of the gospel through and through. He's reminding them of this. Now, John is going to give us two examples of what he has in mind. First, he's going to give us a negative example in verse 12. And then a little later, he's going to give us a positive example that we should follow. So let's look first at the negative example in verse 12. We should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brother's 
righteous. Okay, so here John points us back to Genesis chapter 4, this, this story of Cain and Abel. And Cain tragically murders his brother. Here we get this amazing insight into the motive behind the murder. And what was it? It was that he was jealous of his brother. Because his deeds were evil and his brothers were righteousness. And here's what John wants you to see, I believe, in this, in this text. And bringing up this text and talking about it in this way, I think he's trying to show you, show us, that his sin began in his heart and then it expanded into the tragic action of murder. This jealousy, the evil, evil at heart Reality, that evil stuff that was in him then stirred towards murder. That's how all sin happens, you know. It starts in the heart. Cain was jealous and it led him to murder. But the same is true of our righteous acts. The same is true of righteousness. Christians love, our Christians love for one another. It starts deep within our hearts. It starts with love and then it leads towards acts of service for one another. Now notice this, that John teaches here. He says this incredible statement in verse 12. That Cain was of the evil one. Wait, John, how do you know that? How can you make that sort of judgment? Well, he he knew it because of the actions that came out from Cain. He knew it because of what he did. They proved what was inside of him. They proved that he was not a child of God, but that he was of the evil one. And I I know that this is offensive to to read, just just for somebody to say, like, in our culture, if somebody sins, it, 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 it shows off the evil of their heart. How many times do we hear in, a, in, a, in famous songs, people talking about, my demon's this, my demon's that. Like everybody sort of lives in this sort of like yin-yang tension where they're, they're a little evil, they're a little good, and there's never in, any in between. I mean, there's, there's, no, there's no black and white, it's a little bit of both. But John wants us to see that his, his heart was evil, and that's what led to his actions. Love and hate, friends, is not some fluffy idea, right? These, these emotions, these things are profoundly deep expressions of a human soul. Love and hate, they stir up from within us. They stir from within a person. I need you to know that our actions always flow from who we are. They flow from our identity, John is showing us that the children of the devil, they will not love. They cannot love. But children of God cannot help, from, help but love. That's because our actions flow from our identity. I do want to make mention that I, I do believe that, that non-Christians, if you're here today and you're, you're not a Christian... I'm not saying that you can't love somebody truly. I, I, I believe that you can absolutely love somebody. But John wants us to see that love for the family of God, love for fellow Christians, it's not possible. It's not possible. And, and I'm not talking about like hostility. I'm not talking about like a, a hatred that wants to kill somebody necessarily. Don't, don't get hung up on that. I'm talking more about 
a hatred that, that leads to like a, just a total dismissal of the church. Like that's, that's just not for me. I don't care about that. Or maybe it's, a, maybe it's a little bit more hostile. It's more like a pigeonholing sort of, sort of activity. Or maybe it's just cynicism, frustration. What, what is it about... Man, I'm getting ahead of myself, guys. I need to back up. Go to verse 13. Verse 13, he says, Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. This is, the, this is the idea that he has that actions flow from our identity. Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. Why shouldn't we be surprised? Well, we're not surprised when an apple makes an apple, right? Apple tree makes an apple, right? We would be surprised if all of a sudden grapes started showing up on it. Right? But John is saying, don't be surprised. The world is going to hate you. It's not going to love you the way that, that, that it should because the church can't make sense to them. It doesn't make sense to them deep down. The Bible only feels like a book of rules. The God of the Bible feels like a killjoy. And what that means is the people that belong to God, the people that live and breathe this stuff, that want to talk to you about this stuff, become a threat to your worldview, a threat, a threat to your joy, a threat to your freedom. That's what John is talking about when he talks about this heart level stuff. Our actions, our love for the church, or our hatred or indifference toward the church, it flows out of what's going on deep within us. It flows from who we are. And I want to say this to any of you Christians here sitting here today. All of us were there. I think a lot of non-Christians look in on the church and they, they just see like, man, they think they're so much better than everybody else. Listen to me. We don't think we're better than anybody. We were there. We were hating as well. We had God coming at us with conviction. We had brothers and sisters coming to us and saying, turn, you're going you're gonna to destroy your life. And what do we do? We said, get away from me. I don't want you. Our hearts were dark and we refused to come to the light because we loved our Darkness. We loved the evil that we were walking in. All of us were their church and were stripped from our ability to boast by the mercy of God. The mercy of God doesn't want anyone to end up dead like that, to end up in a, in a destructive path, letting their sin take them to the end of all sin, which is death and destruction. That's why Jesus came into the world, friends. That's why Jesus, that's why we preach Jesus. That's why we sing Jesus, because he doesn't want us to die. He wants to, us to live. And here's what verse 14 highlights is life. Look, at there, look there with me. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. I just want to, I want to focus on the positive aspects of this, that what God has for you and I, what God intends for all of us, is not death, but life, eternal life. What God wants for us is eternal life. It's not a problem. My sons do it all the time. We love you. I feel bad for every other preacher that has to sit with my kids in the room. Um, friends, God wants for us eternal life. We were all 
Every one of us here, every one of us who claim the name of Jesus, we're all at one time dead men walking. And dead men don't get out of graves. But Jesus, who got up out of the grave, and we celebrated it last week, he's able to raise a dead person, isn't he? Jesus raises dead people. He causes dead people, like Christians, like we once were, to pass from death to life. So that instead of hating the, the, the people of God, instead of hating God, instead of wanting to walk in righteousness, friends, we became new. We became people who love the church. And we know that we have passed from death to life because we love. We were all once there. We were all once there. And yet he brought us from death to life and transformed us. This is what we're going to celebrate in just a little bit with Clara getting baptized, that she passed from death to life when she put her faith in Jesus. She died, her old person dead down in the water, her new person alive in Christ to live new. That's what baptism is all about. Listen to this. John says, if you want to know if this is true of you, that you have passed from death to life, Notice how you respond to the family of God. Notice how you respond to other Christians. How do you interact with God's people? Do you love them? Notice what your heart is doing around other Christians. Do you find it jealous, indifferent? Or are you moved to be around your brothers and sisters, to want to spend time with them, to want to serve them with deep affection? Now, I want to... Focus on verse 15, lest we just quickly say, yeah, I love, I love the family. Sure. I want us to test our hearts here because John's words here are extremely convicting. They can be very convicting. He provocatively brings to mind here what Jesus famously said in the Sermon on the Mount. Doesn't it sound familiar to you when he says, if you just simply hate his, your brother, you're a murderer? Jesus in, that, in Matthew chapter 5 says this. He says, if you, if you hate a brother, you are liable to the exact same judgment as a murderer. If you call them a fool in your hearts. If you, if you have down in, in you something nasty towards a brother, you're just as good as a murderer. Why? Why can he say that? Well, because if we would rather that individual put, put you know, Maybe there's some face you have in mind, some person that you just simply have bitterness towards you. If you would rather just, just stay away from them, you don't care about them, you don't want anything to do with them, friends, the, truly, deep down in your heart, you'd rather have them dead than alive. That's basically what you say when you just want to get away from them, when you don't want anything to do with them, and you'd, you would say, I don't care if I ever see that person again. That's what's going on deep down in your heart. You're just as good as a murderer. If your heart despises a brother or sister, you're as good as a murderer in God's sight. Again, you see why this, is, this matters so much to John. He, he wants us to see that this redemption story is not just about him and us, not just about me and Jesus, but about all people being united in love, about this, this church looking like a united people in Christ. So our hearts towards others, especially the family of God, is evidence that we are either still dead in our sin or have passed from death to life. 
Those actions flow out of our identity. So we've seen the negative example, Cain's hatred for his brother. Now I want to look at the positive example in verse 16 of love. And it doesn't get any better than this. Look with me. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. If you want to know what love looks like, don't look any further than Jesus descending from heaven, seeing us in our need when we were enemies from God and we were killing one another down here. We hate him, we hate one another. He came down, he stepped into our flesh and he went to the cross for us. Don't let the world sell you short on the idea of love, church. Don't let the world sell you ideas. There's, there's so many love movies out there, and so many of them just fall so short of what true love is, friends. True love looks like this. It's committal. It commits to somebody even unto death. This, friends, is how we know what love is. And apart from this gospel story, we do not know love. We do not know what love is apart from this story. So many of the love stories uh, in the, the stories that we love that Hollywood has put out, the ones that really capture most of humanity are, are ones that, that model after this Christ's work on the cross, right? It's Christ figures who sacrificially laid down their lives for lots of people. Those are the stories that capture our hearts. This is how we know what love is. And listen to this. The second half of this verse, John says, you too must love like this. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. Like this. Like Jesus. That's what love is. We're asking the question, what, so what does that look like, John? I want to know if I'm a child of God. What does it look like to, to love the brothers, to love one another? Love like Jesus. Love like he loved. He laid down his life for us. Love that marks Christians, love that marks a true child of God is intensely sacrificial love. It's intensely sacrificial. It's the kind of love that makes the receiver say, what are you, why me? Like it makes you embarrassed. Like how could you dump that kind of love on me? I don't understand. Those looking in from the outside, they're like, what? Who is that guy that they would pour out that sort of care and love and intention on? That's the sort of love that we're talking about that moves people, that, that makes people say, I, I could never be the same. Christ's love poured into our hearts. That kind of love, the love that laid down life for us, moved us, it changed us, it transforms us. When we see it, 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 we can never be the same, right? And this is the kind of love that he's saying we ought to love one another with. Love that would transform somebody. Love that would say, I, I can never be the same. I could never thank this person enough. And why should we do that? Why should we love people in this kind of way? Because, hear me, because we have been poured into unfathomable measures of love have been, have been poured into us in church when we get that. It's so full in us that it cannot help but overflow to other people. 
It cannot help but pour through us like we're a piece of conduit. That's how we know if we are children of God is if the love of God is just dumping out of us and going into and, and to other people. Amen? We can't hold back. We've been loved so abundantly. We've been purchased by blood that it stirs us to want to give sacrificially. And church, again, I want to just say that, that this reality, this gospel is what strips us from all ability to boast today. If you feel like, hey, I'm doing it. I love those people this week. Just remember, you're loving not because you're awesome, but because God is awesome. And he dumped love on you in such a way that you can't help but pour out onto others. Amen? Man, we can't boast. We just can't because any good that comes through us is because God's love has already been poured out. He's already loved us and causes the past from death to life. This is why any of us can love. So I just want to say to any of you who are sitting here feeling convicted, like, man, I don't love people like that, especially just even this body right here. I don't love like that. I just want to say if you want to change... If you want to be a person who loves like Jesus, the first step is simple. Put your faith in him again. Put your faith in Jesus and let him show you again the unfathomable love that he has poured out on you. Welcome him to change your heart. This is for you too if you're here and, and not a Christian. If you want to know what, where this all starts, it's not get things cleaned up and right first and, and then come and love and do that sort of Christian stuff. No, it starts with just simply putting your faith in the one who loved you in an unfathomable way. In crazy kind of ways. Put your faith in him and then he will cause your desires to align with his and you will not be, you will not be able to help but love others and follow in the footsteps of Jesus. So we know we are children of God if we love one another, not perfectly, but increasingly like Jesus loved us. We know that we are children of God if we love like Jesus in increasing ways. Let's look at verse 17. John is going to get practical with us in what Christ-like love looks like. And I'm so glad that he goes here in verse 17 because I think that preaching can stay at a theoretical level. And I think I'm guilty of that, but John is about to show us that it can't stay there. It has to get practical. It has to actually start to work in you and in your community. So look there. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little, little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. God's love abiding in him. How does God's love, how can we say God's love abides in us? That we know that sort of the riches of God's love and yet so quickly can turn away and make excuses why we can't serve that person that we see in need. In church, this is, this is not in my manuscript. I think that this is probably one of the main reasons why the the non-Christian world looks in on the church and says, no, that's not for me. That it seems like it's just talk. And that it's not word, it's not deed and truth. May that not be true of us. That we're hypocritical in this way. He says, not in 
just talk, but in deed and in truth. You see, God doesn't just say to us, hey, I love you. God didn't come to us in our sin and just say, don't worry, I love you. No, God's love went to work, didn't it? It went to work. God's love went to work for me, his enemy. God's love came sacrificially. God's love moved him to die for me, to live for me, to raise for me, to intercede for me right now on the throne. God's love is preparing a place for me and for you, for all who are in Christ, so that we may reign with him, rule with him, be with him forever. God's love goes to work. And if God is love, as we'll learn about later in this book, that that, that is central to who he is, and that love poured out, it drove him to the cross. It could not hold back, but just abundantly spilled out of him. In these ways, we too, who say we have God's love in us, should be pouring out in the same sort of ways. It cannot be a matter of just, hey, Jesus loves you. See you later. Be well. God bless you. No, friends, it has to be in action, in truth. Love always does. Love always does. I'm sure you've heard that before. But let that sink into you. If you say you love somebody, if you want to think about how to love somebody, think about what can I do to serve? What can I do to serve? It gets practical. It works in us. I want you to turn your Bibles quickly to Isaiah 58. Isaiah 58. It's kind of the middle, middle of the Bible. I'm not going to give you a ton about, about you know, context here, but Isaiah was a prophet. He was preaching to Israel. And oftentimes he brought some pretty discouraging words. A lot of good, a lot of good in Isaiah, but sometimes it's men, guys, you're hypocrites. And I just want to show you something here. Isaiah is responding, God actually is responding and speaking through Isaiah in response to their confusion about why God wasn't showing up for them, so they thought. Like, where is God? He says this, is this, what verse is it? Is is such the fast that I choose? Did I put it up there? No, I didn't. What verse is that? Is such the fast that I choose? Five, thank you. Is such the fast that I choose a day for a person to humble himself? Is it to bow down his head like a reed and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Will you call this fast the day acceptable to me, to the Lord? Listen, is not this the fast that I choose? To loose the bonds of wickedness. That is to set people free. To undo the straps of the yoke. To let the oppressed go free and to break every yoke. Do you see? He, he has people in mind. He has specific action in mind. Caring for the, for the needy person who is enslaved to wickedness or enslaved in some other way. He says this, Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house? When you see them naked, to cover him. Look at the contrast here. And not to hide yourself from your own flesh. Look at that. It's not, it's, 
They're hiding themselves, he says, from your own flesh. He's calling the brothers in Israel their own flesh. And instead of hiding themselves, instead of saying, God bless you, see you later, I have other things to do. No, he says, cover them, see them. This is the fast I choose. Then shall your light break forth like the dawn, and your healing spring up speedily, and your righteousness go before you. The glory of the Lord be your guard. You see, they were doing all this stuff. They were doing all this religious stuff. They had all kinds of excuses, fasting being one of them, about why they couldn't serve their brothers and sisters in Israel. And God said, that's not what I want. That's not what I want from you. I want more than that. God wanted their love to be in deed, in action, and in truth. That's what love looked like. That's what brought God, God's favor on them. So I ask you today, church, does this kind of love for God's family define you? Does this kind of love for God's family define you? Does sacrificial working love like Christ define us? What would others say? One of our core values that we've just shared to you that we brought to you is, is love his family. Uh, Pastor Scott preached on that just, just a couple months ago. Love his family. How are we doing? Well, I am excited to tell you that I don't have a, a, a word of rebuke, but I am so encouraged by you. Church, all people's church, I'm so encouraged by you. I know I just read Isaiah 58 and all of you are expecting like, oh no, what is he going to say? No, praise God, you've passed from death to life. I can see it in so many of you that you're alive. Can anybody say amen to that? Can any of the pastors say amen to that? Amen. Friends, you guys love one another well. I'm constantly blown away by your love for one another. I feel like with Paul, I want to just say, like he said to the Thessalonians, about that, I don't need to write anything more. God taught you. <laughs> Indeed, he has. He has taught you, family, how to love one another. And yet, here we are. We get to urge one another on to do it all the more, right? To love one another more. Man, I'm blown away by the ways that you generously give to the unemployed in this community. The ways that you guys have just cooked up a storm for one another. Who, people who are sick and who have just had babies. The ways that you guys pray for one another. I hear you guys saying, I'm praying for you, Pastor Daniel. I hear you, you guys sharing words with one another. Guys, All People's Church shows up. Anybody that's been around All People's for a little while, they show up. You guys show up. And you serve, and I'm blown away by it. I'm so encouraged by you. Even more than that, I'm, I'm, I'm encouraged by how you love the family outside of this little one. <laughs> like the ways that, that all peoples you've loved and sought to care for Lebanon is amazing. And I can say the same to you, Lebanon. Praise God for your love for us. All People's Church, we are in this building right now because we have some, some older saints that are worshiping with us here this morning that cared about the gospel going forward in this city on this block. And they loved us by working countless hours to think about how can this church family thrive? How can, how can the gospel go forward? Praise God for you, Lebanon Lutheran Church. I praise God for you. And I see you... 
I, I just this morning, we were, I was praying with Isaac and Alicia, who are going to be new members this morning, and, and Isaac was helping remind me that in his prayer that there are other brothers and sisters worshiping around the world right now who are some suffering, some persecuted as they step into their gatherings to worship and pray. Man, I'm so encouraged by how you love not just this little local family, but even how you love the global body, how you think that way. If you're here this morning and you're a part of that and you know that you've been pouring yourself out for others even when it's hurting, I just want to say, praise God, you've passed from death to life. Amen? You have passed from death to life. You should feel hope. You should feel confidence. You should feel assurance that you are a child of God. And yet I just want to say, let's do it all the more. But what if it's not true of you today? What if you're here in this room and you feel like, man, I just, I feel like a hypocrite. Well, I said it before, I'll say it again. The solution is not to fix yourself, but to seek God for a revelation of his love. Our first value is be with the Father. And friends, without that value, we'll never love his family. Everything flows from that, that thing right there. We spend time with our Father. We seek him for a revelation of his love, to understand the gospel, and it dumps into us so that we pour out and love others. So it all starts there. And maybe you're a Christian here today and you're, you're just, you're struggling and you need, you need this. I want to just encourage you to keep pressing in, keep coming, keep seeking the Lord's face. Let the gospel continue to penetrate your heart. That's what's going to change you. That's what's going to bring reconciled relationships. That's what's going to root up the bitter heart that you may have towards a brother or sister here. We want to be a part of God's kingdom advancing in this city, don't we? Our third value, I don't even know why I'm going on. I keep sharing the values. That was not in my manuscript. It's working, Dale. It's coming out. Make, make disciples, family, a big part of our, our vision is that, that we would multiply this. And friends, we're not going to do that. We're not going to church plant and see those churches plant and see this sort of movement of the gospel of the kingdom unless we love in these sorts of ways. So this is, this is everything. It's so much so that, that Jesus said, hey, non-Christians, they're going to look in and know that you're disciples of Jesus by your love for one another, by how you love one another right here. So I just want to call you. I'm going to just throw out some practical things for us today. If you're prone to run away from needs, if that's your MO, I'm going to just call you. Run to somebody in need this week. Run to serve them. Do it. Just get, repent. If you're prone to bitterness and forgiveness today, don't let it be any other day. Go. Offer forgiveness in the same measure you've received it. If you're slow to open your heart towards the needy, find someone. Again, pour out lavishly. Do it. Go today, seek someone out, learn about them, find creative ways to sacrificially serve that person like you have been served by Jesus. And I want to just say, when we gather, every time we gather, I want to urge you to keep doing this. Show up prayerfully, looking for ways to serve the body. Looking for ways, who can I encourage today? Who can I love? Who can I minister to? Who can I offer a word of exhortation? Hey, brother, you need to stand firm. Walk away from that sin. 
Show up prayerfully, seeking God's spirit for power to serve and exhort one another. I want to say that, that this most helpful, like, it can be very daunting to think, okay, this room full of people, I need to love them. Just start with your DNA and with your missional community group. Start there. Think about those people that are in your direct circles and try to love them with all your heart. Do it sacrificially and then let it go to the rest of the body. A couple more things quick. We are welcoming new members this morning. We're so excited and we just want you to, to welcome them like Christ welcomed you. Help them to get weaved into this body. We're going to have a potluck downstairs. Go and sit next to somebody you don't know and, and ask them questions. Minister to them. And we don't talk about this very often, but friends, we, we would encourage you, if you think about giving as like a 10% tithe sort of thing, don't just give it all to the church. Set aside 2% or so, whatever, whatever makes sense to you. Set it aside in, your, in the money that you want to give and look for ways to give to the community. Look for ways to serve with your money. And lastly, I just want to encourage you to keep on praying for one another. What, a, what an amazing way to love one another. To present one another's needs before God. Church, let us love one another like Jesus. And as you do, be confident that you are a child of God. We're going to pray. And here's how I want you to pray. I want us to gather into groups of three or four right now. And I'm going to lead us through a couple texts. I think I put them up on the screen. Do I have, do I have scripture up on the screen? A lot happened this week. So probably not. No. Okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to read out some scriptures. Why don't you guys stand up? I want us to pray together out of 1 John 3.16. If you can just find a way to put this up on the screen really quick. Do you know how to do that? It says this, By this we know love that he laid down his life for us. I want us to just spend a few minutes praising God from, from this, that, that God poured out his incredible love on you.